Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Good morning again. So good to see you. If uh, you would, you can look in Psalm chapter 8 and hold your spot there. We'll be looking at two verses or two portions of Scripture today as we continue our series Uh, The wonder, celebrating the heart of what Christmas is all about and regaining maybe the wonder of what the season represents. Not just the the hustle and the bustle, the the tradition and the excitement that already surrounds it, but the heart of what Christmas is all about, the hope that it brings. Last week, of course, we uh, made a statement as we kicked this off and identifying that we cannot be made complete by wonderful things until we're first made complete by the one who is wonderful. In Isaiah chapter 9, the scripture makes it clear. It says this word, that for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Notice this, that it is unto us, to you and to me, that there has been a great gift that is given. And it says there that he will be called wonderful. His name is wonderful. We're not made complete by wonderful things before we're first made complete by the one who is wonderful. That wonderful is not a, not a, a time or a season or a place or a thing. It is a person, and that is the person of Jesus Christ, the one who is wonderful. I want to look today in two portions of Psalm, uh, Psalm chapter 8 and also Psalm 139. You'll be able to find it on version or be on the screen as well. But I want to look at these two portions uh, today and, and read these, both by David. David is a songwriter, a poet, and he has written much of the, the book of Psalms as we read the collection. There have been other uh, psalmists or, or songwriters that have contributed, but these two particular portions that we're going to look at today are both written by David. And you and I know what it's like to wonder. You and I wonder. You know what it's like to wonder. You wonder if it's going to snow on Christmas Day. You wonder if the the kids are going to enjoy or they're going to like the present that you got for this person. You wonder if all the family is going to be coming home at Christmas. We know what it is to wonder. And when we look at the concept of wonder, it's literally this, to consider the origin or the outcome of a matter. To give consideration of the origin or the outcome of a matter. Something that is worth wondering over is something that is yet for us, it's unknown. That it's unknown. It's, it's, it's wondering what it might become. And in the, the, the purpose or in the heart of, of an unborn child, we wonder what, it'll, what, what that child will be. In an uh, un, undeveloped plan, we wonder what it will produce or what it might become. In something that is yet to be developed, it's, it's unknown. And something that's unknown, literally for us, it becomes unknown when it's the, the un in life. It's unknown except to the one who gave it and the one who made it. It becomes the unknown. I want to say this today, that God is in the un. God is in the un. He's in the unfamiliar. He's in the unknown. He's in the unborn. He's in the undeveloped. He's in the what is yet to be determined. You and I can wonder what it might be, but you know God already knows. You and I can wonder what might become, but God already knows. Whatever your un might be today, whatever it is, undone, it's unfamiliar, it's, it's, it's unknown, whatever seems to be your un today, I want you to know that God is in the un. In, uh, in Psalm 8, I want to read this scripture that David has written. Would you stand with me today as we look at these two portions? Psalm 8, just uh, two verses in Psalm 8, and then we'll flip to Psalm 139. And here's what he says in verse 4. I'm sorry, starting in verse 3. This is David as he's writing. David, of course, is a shepherd. Uh, David is the the, uh, second king of Israel. 
He is the one through whom God promised that a seed, uh, the seed of the Messiah would come forth, that the Messiah would come forth. And Jesus, of course, is the seed of David uh, from Joseph. We have this hope, this promise. It's given. David is writing these, and David is familiar with nighttime. He's a shepherd. He served for his father, uh, Jesse. He served outside. He would spend time alone. He would be at a place of looking after his father's sheep. Here's what he says in verse 3. When I look at the night sky, your version might say heavens. It might say when I look at the expanse, when I look up into the sky. But mine says night sky, and the reason it's a night sky because he says what he sees when he looks at the night sky. When I look at the night sky and see the works of your fingers, I love that, the works of your fingers. You know, it's one thing that takes your arm. It's another thing if it takes your hand, but how many know if it just takes your fingers? It's no big deal. The works of your fingers. You know how awesome our God is? That with just his finger, he puts things in place. With just his finger, he, he puts things in, in, in position. He says, when I see the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that, should, that you should think about them? I could, I could put in here right now where it says, when I see the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars you put in place, I wonder to myself. David could have added here, I wonder. It causes me to stop and wonder. And here's what his wonder is. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. In the midst of the scheme of things, who is man that you would even think about him? Flip over to Psalm 139 and David answers his question. He not only answers his question, but, but gives even more detail. Psalm 39 verse 13, it says this. David writes again, he says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Yours might say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you for making me wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. When I wake up, you are still with me. My prayer today is that we would come again to the wonder and the amazement of who God is, his love for us, and recognizing today that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I wanna just share from that title today, Wonderfully Made. Would you pray with me? Father, I ask today that you would open the eyes of our heart. God, that we would see what you have done, the detail that you've put into, into our lives, the, 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 uh, just the, the way that you brought us about the detail, the structure. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to recognize that it is your hand that has put things in motion and it's your hand that brings it about. We thank you for your hand in our lives today. Let us know it. Let us know your presence. Let us encounter your presence in our situation. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. On your way to being seated, find someone you love and just tell them you're wonderfully made. You're wonderfully made. If you're sitting by someone else, don't leave them out either. Just give them the opportunity as well. And hopefully the first person you went to was your spouse. So that would be helpful as well. Season, or this, this time of year, Christmas season, is, is a, a season with doubt, without a doubt of customs. Uh, there's custom decorations, custom, uh, custom crafts, custom designs, uh, custom wrapping, and customers. It's just 
custom is what it, we're all about and what we do. And literally that just means that everything that is done is done for an individual purpose. It's custom, which means it's not like anything else. It's specific to this individual purpose and time. It's customized. It's wonderfully made. I'm a person of tradition, and I love this time of year. I don't hide it. Now, I've already told you I wait until after Thanksgiving because I think Thanksgiving is the most significant way to start any celebration. How many know enter his gates with Thanksgiving? And, the, and the, we ought to be people who are thankful. Let it not just be when we're around the table with a big turkey. Let it be also uh, when we're sitting around the living room or working with turkeys. It doesn't matter uh, what the turkey is or what the turkey occasion might be, but that we'd be people of gratitude. But I love Christmas time, and I, I got to be honest with you, my highlight of Christmas, if you were to say, what's the favorite time of Christmas? It'd be hard to pick out a lot of, uh, pick out some specific things. But one of the things I love is that there are about two days that my wife and I will take, and we will just go shopping two full days. Now, we plan ahead of time, but we're not the type where you just buy in advance. And I know some of you got that down, and that's totally cool. But I love the way we do it because we have it in mind. But the reason I love the way we do it is because I get two whole days to just spend the entire day with my wife going out to eat and for the entire, I just love the experience and that, that moment that we share together, it's what we do. And along the way of how this works for us, we will inevitably end up at Target for the purpose of going right to the wrapping paper aisle and we will look for three jumbo rolls of wrapping paper and this has become the tradition. Jody started this when the kids were little and the kids get their own wrapping paper and it has developed now to where we will go to the aisle and we will, we will match together three rolls of wrapping paper. Some of you can relate to this. Others of you are like, it's wrapping paper. Pick one up, wrap it up, give it. It's no big deal. But we will spend time in the aisle color coding and matching with theme and putting these together and we'll picture and imagine we have had moments where we have put three rolls of wrapping paper in pairs inside the cart, another pair on top of the boxes of wrapping paper. I've even put them on the floor before. Sorry, customers, this aisle's closed. Right now we are selecting wrapping paper. You'll need to come back later. And we'll look and we'll narrow it down. And we'll, I've said to her, I said, this seems so foolish, but I love it. This seems so ridiculous, but I love it. We, we get the idea, okay, which ones match? Which one will go to which, which kid? How will this work? And I've all, all these plans and things that we can put in place, we probably spend at least a half hour deciding on what wrapping paper to buy. Now, I know that sounds foolish and it sounds absurd because it is, but you know what? I love the detail. I just, I say to Jody, I said, this is absolutely ridiculous, but I love it. I love it because I think it's okay to give the detail, because you know the God who made you could have just left you have vision, but he also made it to where you could not only have vision, but gave you enough white around your eyes that would draw the sun and allow you to focus and see even further, that could cause you to focus. It could have been enough for him to just let you see things, but he gave you the ability to focus on things. It could have been enough that he just gave you ability to walk and to move, but he also gave enough, enough ligaments and enough bend and enough places that you could not only just walk, but you have the ability to run, to move, to bend and jump at least to a certain age. He gives the ability for these things to occur. He could have just left it. And you have the ability to just 
simple things that we could do, your inner ear, that you could hear things, but he connected it all together so that your inner ear would affect your balance so that you'd be able to sense, have a different sensitivity and be able to counterbalance and, and catch yourself and move in such a way. How in the world the ear has something to do with that? He's a God who's into details. He puts all the things together. I mean, science is still trying to catch up with the way God does things in the details. It took engineers a long time to figure out when you make the steel, in order for it to carry more weight and to go higher, you have to make it not so heavy, but enough that it's, it's solid on the outside, but has a little more hollow on the inside, but you put the strength to the outside. Engineers figured that out, but God said, I knew that from the very beginning. I made your bones in just a way that, they're, that they're, they're solid on the outside, carrying the weight. I created you from the very beginning. We're trying to catch up with what God already knew from the very beginning, that he set things in order. He's a God of detail. He's a God who created you wonderfully and fearfully made, that he designed you specific to where you are in the circumstances of your life. He made you just the way he designed you and called you to be. He knew what was going on in your life before you even realized it was going on. We're still trying to catch up with God. I don't have a problem with science revealing what science wants to reveal because some people might be like, well, science just wants to keep telling us that it's a big bang, it's a big bang. Let science keep saying whatever it wants because the more we see science, it only reveals that there's a creator who put it all together because if you're gonna hang everything on a missing link, I'd rather say, hey, here is the link. His name is Jesus Christ. He is God the Father. He's the one who sets all things in order and put all things in motion that he put the detail and all the design and all the work why? Because we're wonderfully made. That he put all this detail. My kids are already, I know how it's going to work. We've got it all mapped out in my head. Now, it doesn't always happen the way I envision it, but I've just been in the scenario enough, and I know how this works. Christmas Day, they're going to come up the steps. The reason they come up the steps because the family room's downstairs. They'll sometimes crash there watching the movie Elf, and then they'll hang out, they'll fall asleep. And then through the night, as they're sleeping, something happens upstairs. And then all of a sudden, these things appear. Some have ideas of how that happens. I'm so glad I have an idea, too, of how it happens. And thank God for Santa. I'm still giving him a lot of bills. He's doing a great job and a wonderful, wonderful job. A little back pay on some of these things he owes me for. But anyway... Uh, all of this takes place, and I know they're going to come up the steps, and I know that when they get there, there's going to be this wonder, and I can already know there's going to be smiles and things that we'll experience, and I wish that I could say that I knew what time it would be, because even the older they get, they can sleep in on any other day, but Christmas is not a day to sleep in. You know? They're getting a little older. They sleep in a little longer, and I know that when they get there, there's this wonder. I wonder what the wrapping paper will be because Jody has been doing this where each of them get their own wrapping paper and then she cuts a piece of the wrapping paper and puts it in their stocking so it correlates to which gift is theirs. And, and this whole structure, this whole system, I know we're gonna sit down, we're gonna read the, script, the story together of Jesus being born. We're gonna read the scripture together. We're gonna have prayer. And then they're gonna take turns opening gifts. And I know how they're gonna make it last, how they're gonna make it work. I know they're going to wonder which wrapping paper is theirs. I know they're going to wonder what might be on the inside of the box. I know they're going to wonder what someone else might get. You know what I know they won't do on that day? They won't worry. They won't worry. I know they're not going to worry if there's anything there. I know there's not, they're not going to worry if they like it or not. I know they're not going to worry because I think there's something to be said about when you recognize the detail that goes into it. 
it causes you to recognize that if someone is that specific, the detail, then you know they care about what's going on and worry is the last thing you need to do. I wonder if we need to learn like a child to allow our wonder to continue wonder with anticipation rather than being caught up with worry. Because worry happens when we wonder in the dark. Wonder in the dark. The longer you wonder in the dark, soon that wonder turns into wandering. And you wander. Notice what the psalmist says here in this verse that we read, the first scripture that we read in chapter 8. He says, when I look at the night sky, when I look at the night sky, he could have said when I see the sun or when I look at the bright sky and I see the sun. But I think it's appropriate, he said, when I look at the dark sky because you know what it's like to go through dark moments. You know what it's like to have dark moments in your life. And notice what David writes. He says, when I look at the night sky and I see the stars and the moons that you have set in their place. You have specifically and strategically put these things in their place. I wonder and I ask you today, what do you see when you look at a night sky? What is it when you look at dark moments in your life when it feels like things are in difficult situations? Does it become one of those things where we can easily say in our wonder, instead of our wonder of identifying the, the promises of God, the hope of God, our wondering can turn into wandering where we say, God, where are you? The longer we hang out in the dark, but how many know that even though it might be dark, you're still able to see a little bit of light because the Bible even says that where there's darkness, that when God shows up, it becomes like light to him because anywhere God is, no darkness can abound. It doesn't matter what circumstance that surrounds, that darkness cannot abound in the presence of God. And having the ability to see the stars even in the midst of the night sky. I know what it's like. We'd rather see the warmth of the sun or see the brightness of the sun and feel the warmth of the sun in the daylight. And when we see that, we'll say how great our God is. But you know, I think the moments where God teaches us how great he is is when it's the nighttime and we still see the stars. We still see the moons in the midst of the night, in the midst of whatever might be facing, that we still see the greatness of our God, that he puts all things together knowing that he wants us to be filled with the wonder and the awe of who he is. But if we don't see the wonder if we don't allow ourselves to sense the wonder of God, that wonder will become worry. Why is it that the heart of a child can be so innocent and not worry until it's taught to, that it has to worry? But we have a father who is for us. And maybe instead of being filled with the wonder of what God is about to do in our unknown, we become guarded because we're worried about what might happen. And we're more concerned and we try to protect ourselves from the unknown when God says what might be your unknown is the miracle that I want to open up and prepare for you and show you something. I want to show you the beauty in the midst of your unknown, in the midst of your undeveloped, unfamiliar, your uncomfortable, whatever it might be that might be your un, that God shows up in the middle of it, that he still is the, has the stars and the moon in their place even though the sky is dark. I hope that we can catch that because that's where the wonder of God is. That's the wonder of God. It's one thing to feel the presence of God when everything looks like it's in its rightful place. When I've considered sensing God's presence because everything seems like it's in its rightful place, I have to acknowledge the only reason it seems right is because it seems right to me. And the Bible says that 
Wisdom, when everyone does what is right in their own eyes, is not wisdom, but foolishness. When it looks like it's right to me, according to how I see it, the way things are, but to be able to know that God is in the midst of the, of the storm, the night sky, that in that place of wondering, allowing that expanse to be filled with wonder, believing for what God is going to do. I want to give you four things this morning to recognize what God is doing around us. And I hope to bring an encouragement to us that we'd be able to see what God is setting in motion, that he is doing something even though we can't see it or sense it. Because he's into details. And because he's into details, when you know how much he's into details, you know that he is working all things together for good. You see, God does the working so that we can sit back and do the wondering. The wonder and wondering, the, the, filled with the wonder of how big, how great, how awesome, what he's able to do. I don't know if maybe today you're going through a dark sky moment. You're going through a dark sky, but when you see the stars and you see the moon, you recognize the same one who put those in place knows how to make the sun rise at just the right time, how to make things move at just the right time, at just the right place, in just the right moment. God knows how to put those things together. Let me give you these things this morning that for our wonder, if we're, that we would be people who are not wandering, but we're, we're, we're in the place of wonder, that we know of, of God's greatness. Here's what we need to know. Number one is this. We need to know this, that God's thoughts are for us. His thoughts are for you. His thoughts are for you. That, that word for means it's done for, to give permission to, to give way to. God is giving way for you. His thoughts, his plans, his intentions are good towards you. Jeremiah, many know this scripture. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to, to, to bless you. Plans are not to harm you or to curse you, but to give you a hope and a future, that God wants to give you and I a hope and a future. He knows the plans and the thoughts that he has for you and I. You know what it's like when someone thinks about you. Have you ever had that moment that someone sends you a text out it seems like out of nowhere and says hey I'm thinking about you and there were moments where it felt like that was just the right time how many have ever been encouraged because somebody was thinking about you someone gave thought to you you've had moments of being encouraged do you know that God thinks about you in more moments than you ever realized because David tells us that his thoughts for us are more numerous than the sands on the seashore do you know the only other thing that is quantified as more numerous than the sands on the seashore are the descendants that God said he would give Abraham he said Abraham I'm going to give you more descendants than you can count. It's going to be more than the sands on the seashore. He says more than you can count that you can see. I'm going to give you descendants. But not only am I going to give you descendants, but he says to David, David who is a promise of the Messiah, the one who represents the coming king, he says to David, I'm going to give you thoughts. My thoughts towards you are more than you can ever count because I don't want to just bring you into existence. I want you to know that I'm for you, that I'm with you, that my thoughts are with you. God God did not just bring us into existence and spin the ball and let us go. He didn't just start the, start the world like a Harlem Globetrotter spinning a ball on his finger and just get it started and let it go. He also puts his thoughts, his desires, he is for us. His thoughts are for you today. And I know there are moments where you say, God, I don't see you. It doesn't look like it. I can't feel you. I don't see how this is working. But his thoughts are always ahead, and he knows how to work the pieces together. I want you to know today that his thoughts are for you. David said that your thoughts are for me more numerous than the sands on the seashore. Number two, you want to know today that his hand is on you. That his hand is on you. You can be filled with wonder even in the midst of the midnight sky or a dark sky. Because his thoughts are for you. His hand is on you. I love what he says here. He says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You knit me together. He could have said you created me, which he did. But he makes a point that not only is it creating, 
He says, you knit me together. How many know that someone who is doing knitting is using a tool and those knitting needles are put in the hands of someone who does the creation? God created us as he used the tools and used the things that come along in our lives that his hands were on us. Everything else he spoke into existence when you look at creation. He said, let there be light. He said, let the birds come forth. He spoke everything else. But when it came to man, he didn't just say, let there be man. The Bible says he stooped down. He formed. He came into the dirt and he put his hands in dirt. The Bible says he formed from the dirt. He breathed breath into. He spoke everything else, but he put his hands on you and I. You know why? Because when his hands are on, it's the guarding, the, the, the heart of a, a guardian, a father who is looking and saying, I'm here to keep you. There are moments, and there are moments you might feel like you don't feel God's hands. I know what it was like. I remember when I was learning how to ride a bike. I know it was a long time ago. Really, I did learn it early on. Some of you are like, well, you probably remember because it was just 10 years ago or so. And it was longer than that. I remember the moments, and I probably remember it as well because it was not that long ago, within 10 years or so, teaching my own kids how to ride a bike. And you know the moment when it feels like you're, you're falling, but dad is right there just at a place to help catch. It feels like you're falling, feels like you're at a place, but he's there guiding. His hands are on you. I want you to know today that his hands are on you. Even in the moments of disappointment that his hands are on you, you knit me together in my mother's womb. God, you are, you are on top of this. You are doing this and a part of this process. Number three, his eyes are after you. His eyes are after you. David said these words. He said, you watch me even as, as I'm being put together in the womb. And I love, if you look at the, the word, this word womb, it also in some translations says the depths of the earth because this word is the same thing and could be meaning both. That could also be the womb, the dark place, the depths of the earth, but it literally could also mean a grave. And how many know that the grave is significant because Jesus went into the grave and overcame the dark place that he overcame in our lives, the separation from God. He brought victory. He went into that place. His eyes are on you. He sees you in the midst of your darkest moment. When you're in your darkest moment, he still has eyes eyes after you. Jody and I did one of our shopping dates uh, just this past week, and, and I dropped her off because I'm, I'm kind of a gentleman like that. I dropped her off at the door because it's cold outside, and you're not impressed. That's okay. Uh, that's all right. I, uh, I dropped her off, and she went into the store, and, and so I, of course, parked the car and then walked in, and as I walked in, I'm looking for her. I didn't see her, so I thought I would just make my way around this uh, the other way and, and uh, look for her somewhere along the way, and that there was also Chick-fil-A in this food court. So uh, go that direction. Anyway, I get a text message, and the text message says something like, I see you. You're going that direction, and she's like totally stalking me. Now, if I didn't know her, they'd totally feel weird and out of place, but because it was my wife, it was like, she's still got eyes for me. She can't get her eyes off of me. She's watching where, do you know that even the moments where you feel like you can't see God, he knows where you are? He sees you in the midst when it feels like you can't. His eyes are after you. In the darkest place, David said these words, when I am in the darkest place, when I'm in the depth from the inside, you see the details. You see all that is being put together. His eyes are after you. I don't know if you realize that he loves you so much. He's not looking at you today and saying, when you get your act together, then I'll show you some attention. He's saying, no, I'm after you. If you'll just stop, if you'll just know my eyes are after you. I've been calling you. I love you. I want 
want you. I desire you. He's not mad at you. He's mad for you. He's mad about you. He wants to be with you. He desires you. You cannot hide from his presence. There's no height. There's no depth. There's no place that you can run from his presence. His eyes are after you. Let me give you number four. His presence is with you. His presence is with you. Here's significance because he says here, David asked the question in chapter 8. When I look at the night sky and I see the moon and I see the stars, I wonder to myself, who is man that you even think about us? Who is man that you even think about us? And I love God's response. And Christmas is God's response. Christmas is God's response. Christmas is God's response when he says, oh, it's not just enough for me to think about man, but I think so much about you that I don't just think about you, but on Christmas I sent my son so that I could be with you. I think of you so much that I made a way to be with you. I desire to be with you. It's his presence, his presence that he wants to bring in our lives. And I love what the last verse that we read in verse 18, he says these words. He says, when I wake up, you're still there. When I wake up, you're still there. I wonder today if there's some of us in the room today that might need to wake up and know that God's here. I wonder if there's some of us that need to wake up and realize that God has been trying to get your attention. Sometimes dark moments happen, not because God makes the dark moments happen. Sometimes he lets dark moments happen because he can work in it and wants to get our attention. Now, if someone has ever said to you, well, you've gone through what you're going through or you have the sickness because you have sin in your life, um, that is a, a, an answer, a quick response that you better be careful to make that statement because that's not always the case. You know, I've got three children, and what I've learned about raising my three children is I have to talk differently to each of them. Now, I've got the same goal, but when Jaron, his strong will was a little much. When he was a little kid, I wondered if he had a demon. I remember when he was about two or three years old, I'd said to my wife, I said, I'm taking anointing oil over every door and window of his bedroom in Jesus' name, come out. He was so strong-willed that I have to put my hands on him a little more. In fact, I don't even know if I ever put a spanking on my girls. But Jaron, I can't count them. It's a little bit of an exaggeration. Why? Because he had a different way of reasoning and as he was a little kid I'm talking about when he was two or three years old and needing to learn boundaries and needing to learn things but I knew that there were other I've got a daughter I'll just tell you man if you don't change your behavior you're going to have to be in your room for a period of time isolating her in her room without social contact is a killer she's good she won't do it again I mean just tell her she can't go anywhere that wouldn't work on Jaron. Jaron, you're going to get stuck in your room. Cool, I like that. Let's do it. <laughs> Here's my point. God knows how individual. You're wonderfully made. He knows how to get your attention. He knows what to do to work in your life. And don't ever put it to where, God, you're always causing this. But God may allow sometimes. And just because the sky is dark doesn't mean the stars have fallen. Just because the sky is dark doesn't mean the stars have fallen. Just because the sky is dark doesn't mean the stars have fallen. He still has the stars in their place. He still has everything in its place. I know it's not the way you wanted it. You looked at it. You thought, may not have saw yourself here at this point. 
But I'm going to go back to last week's message. And that is before I can look for wonderful things, I better know the one who is wonderful. Because if I've been trying to find satisfaction because everything looks just the right way. Someone made a comment to me recently and some of you have heard this comment. There's not anyone in this world that you can't live without. There's not anyone in this world that you can't live without. I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, hold up, push back. I don't like that statement. Because I remember saying in my head, and sometimes you can just have your own conversation in your head. And my conversation was, man, I don't ever want to be without my wife. I could not live without my wife. And then as that began in my head to unpack and come about, came a process of recognizing anything higher than Jesus is only something that will leave you empty. Even good things. Now it doesn't mean they don't bring blessing, but if you build your life on anything other than Jesus Christ, build your life on anything other than Jesus Christ. Because when the sky gets dark, sky gets difficult the one who does not change the one who never leaves us and I don't know what your Christmas might be like and I, I know I, I sense this that this is going to be a most difficult Christmas for some of us it can be a hard Christmas I can't imagine the pain that some people face because of life's moments. I can't even imagine. May we never lose the wonder that even when the sky is dark, the stars haven't fallen. He's held everything in its place. And I don't know what your dark sky might be. Some of us are so close to one another we already know can imagine I don't want you to think about someone else right now I want between you and God because I want to read this scripture again and not from the aspect of the first birth but a second birth you see Nicodemus came to Jesus he said what must I do to be saved of course he says how do I become saved and Jesus said unless you're born again you need to be born again and Nicodemus said you want me to get back into my mother's womb? That's messed up, Nicodemus. That won't work. Jesus said, the first time you were born from the womb, W-O-M-B, but born again is you need to be born from the tomb, T-O-M-B. That you need the second life. Some of you might be here today and you've made a decision to follow Jesus, but you've lost the wonder of who he is because instead of being able to see the stars in their place, you just see the night sky and you've lost the wonder and now you're worried in the dark. You've been wondering in the dark and now your wonder has turned into wonder. You feel lost. You feel like you've lost everything. 
I want you to know what hope is, is the moment when it feels like you've lost everything, is the moment you need to hold on to the only thing. And it's only always been Jesus Christ. There is no other. I know you know that today. But if we're going to know the wonder of the season of celebration of what Christmas is about, we've got to hold tightly to the one who is the everlasting. Let me read this scripture again in Psalm 139. And this time I want you to hear it, not from the first birth, but the second birth. Because I believe there might be some of you here today that you need to be born again. You need to be born again. You may be coming to this church for a long time, but you need to be born again. That's not condemnation. That's saying maybe along the way you've allowed other things to cloud, to clutter, to get your focus. You might be here today and you say, well, I don't look up at a night sky. It feels like everything's in its place. Well, be careful to not worship the God that seems to put everything in its place just the way you want it. But to know that we worship the one who is ever present in every time of need. The one who is Emmanuel, God with us. I want to read this. I don't know where you are today. But I want to read it again, not from being formed in my mother's womb. But maybe for somebody today that needs to be born again. You made me and all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. First birth. First birth. I want you to read the rest of this from where you are right now. You watched me as I was being formed in utter darkness and seclusion. You ever been there? As I was woven together in the darkness of the deep grave. You saw me before I was born. You knew me before I was the drunk. You knew me before I was down and out and depressed. You knew me before. You knew what I was going to become. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Someone here today might need to wake up. You might need to wake up from your sin. You might need to wake up from your despair. You might need to wake up. Whatever it is, today you need to wake up from this place and recognize that He is with you, the God who formed you. When David asked, who is man that you even think of us? God said, I'll answer you on Christmas. It's so much that I don't just think about you. I came so that I could be with you and you could be with me so that where I am, you may be also. I've made a way that you and I can be together. The only thing that we have in life that matters the most is that we look forward to being with Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. He made a way that we could be with him. It all began. I don't know what you might be going through. I believe in my spirit today there's some people here that need to be born again. 
You've lost your wonder of knowing Jesus. You've lost the joy of your salvation. Maybe you've not followed Jesus. In fact, if you know Jesus, I'm going to ask you to pray right now because here's what I know. There's already a work of the enemy that's trying to convince some people why this is not a big deal, why you should do it later, tomorrow, some other time, not right now, or in this might even be the fact that some people's mind, the enemy would already put thoughts in your mind, and your mind is this. I don't have the problem. Other people have the problem. They're the issue. They're the ones that need to get their act together, and all the while ignoring that this is your moment. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you to have a fresh start. Today is a day for you to come back to the one who created you, who made you, who knows you, who loves you. Today is the day of salvation. Maybe you need to wake up and know that he's still with you. To be born again. Be born again. This is my prayer this Christmas. That you'd be born again. In Jesus' name.